So, Paul, welcome back from uh, the Philippines, and I'll let you take it from there. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, for some of you who don't know, I was gone for over a month from Colorado, which I'll tell you, coming back to Colorado reminds me how amazing it is to be here. Um, the Philippines was an amazing trip. I spent a few weeks over there, hooked up with a, a, a ministry based out of Albuquerque that does essentially a mission trip a month worldwide. They've been doing this for years. They focus on sex trafficking, clean water, and medical teams. But it's completely, all of that is saturated with the gospel. And I was on a clean water project in some very remote areas in the Philippines. There were 18 of us. Most of them were from Australia. Most of our team members, a few from South Africa. And um, one other American great guy, Luke. Hey, Luke. Um, he might be watching, actually. I told him about Joy Lance, so he's in Baltimore. But anyway, um, really felt led of the Lord to go over there, and I'm, I'm very glad I did. Um, you know, I've spent a little time overseas. I did, was in Africa 10 years ago, and, of course, with that, you know, the culture shock, the poverty, those kinds of things, they give us, you know, a person a different perspective. That said, this trip was... Um, very much that way in terms of culture shock. The conditions were extremely challenging, physically, emotionally, spiritually. My first few days there, I, I just thought I, I just simply wasn't going to make it. Um, and, but of course, the Lord is good, and he graces us, and he has purpose. And he had put some things in my heart to see, to believe for, uh, before I went over there including things that pertain to the ministry of, of his love in the area of healing, the miraculous, um, really coming from just a, a union-based, love-based perspective. And I was able to see that, uh, just trying to think of a couple examples I could give quick. So, Lord, what would you like me to, to share? Um, I'll just share a couple with you. Um, like, as I mentioned, the first three, four days were very difficult for me. 26 hours to get over there, seriously jet-lagged, um, and hooked up with the team in Manila. This is, these are, this is not Christian tourism. These people are hardcore. They're really about it. And we were up, uh, we hooked up on a Sunday night. We flew out of Manila the next morning at 5, 6 in the morning, went up to a another city where we got into a van, a vans. We drove five hours up to another city called Barangan, which was our base camp then for the next couple of weeks. And we'd get up every morning at four in the morning. We'd be on the road at six, 6.30 at the latest. We were taking vans uh, to different villages. Sometimes we were taking boats. Sometimes we had to have soldiers escort us because of insurgency and threats against us and others. Um, but um, after, uh, after three, four days of really, I mean, God was good, and I was able to carry my own, so to speak, but I was still struggling. But uh, it was actually on a Sunday service, I think it would have been four weeks ago today or three weeks ago today, I was teaching in a dirt floor church um, with a, a drum kit that had holes in it and um, a worship team that was basically the pastor's wife on guitar, a young gal on drums, and then three teenagers on vocals. And I was, the little church was surrounded by like rice fields and water buffalo, and I got there riding on side set on the back of this funky motorcycle, and it was just like, you know, six of us crammed on this motorcycle and sidecar, and and I'm like, you know, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore, which was kind of a reoccurring theme over there. And um, anyway, I, I was asked to teach that morning, and I'd been up since 3 in the morning seeking the Lord on what to teach, and I just couldn't get anything, so I just prayed and trusted him. And anyway, I got up to teach, and he just, he just gave me this, this word for these people. And by the way, when they did break into worship, the Spirit of God fell in that place like a cement truck. And I mean, I'm like, okay, I can be anywhere in the world and in the precious Amen. love and, you know, with my brothers and sisters. They were just precious people in this church. And um, anyway, um, after I taught that morning, um, the Lord said, pray for people. And I, he directed me to call up a man 
who was a very broken man. He's obviously had worked in the fields all his life. He could have been my age, but he looked like he was 75. And he was very bent over. And when I put my hand on his back, I could like cup his spine, which I was really, I still don't quite understand that. But anyway, I, I, I was talking, there's maybe 50 people in there. And I, I, and I was gonna, I was explaining how God wanted to heal and he loves to heal. And I was going to demonstrate God's healing. And as I went to do that, I realized, wow, I'm not feeling well here. And and I actually have no faith that this guy's going to get healed. And now I'm really conscious of the fact that there's 50 people here. And, and how did I get myself in this? And, and, and I, I stopped and I said, Lord, I, what's happening right here? You know, and I'm standing up here when I got this guy standing right here. And, you know, there's 50 people or whatever. And, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, you're still afraid of man. He said, you're still afraid of man. And you don't realize that in union, you really are dead in me. And all you have to do is just yield to a place of love and union. And I, I went, you know, you're right, God. I'm afraid of how I'm going to look in front of these people. And, Lord, I, I just repent of that. I absolutely acknowledge that I, I was crucified with you. And as I said that to myself, I had my hand on this guy's back. And he just popped up. I didn't even pray for him. He just popped up completely healed. And the, and the thing in his back just went literally away right like under my hand. And, and, and people were like, I think they were like, they were, he's shocked and people are yelling and screaming. And, and then but I think everyone was confused because I never got to pray for the guy. He just popped up. But it was, I really realized it was in that moment of repentance or repentance or revelation or both or what. I don't, you know what? I don't know what it is. And I don't care. But... From that moment on, I just found my place in the Lord on that trip. And the next day, we did a long, long day. We hit five villages. It was like a 14-hour day. And these are under very hot and humid conditions. And our food is, you know, well, we were just grateful to have what we had. But every village we went to, the Lord, I just, it's the best day I've ever had in God in my life. And... It was from beginning to end, he, he just led every step of the way. It was living in a place of just continual conscious awareness of his love. And that was the best thing about it is spending hours just under the most grueling conditions living in the glory of God's love. And I'll just tell you, two more. Do I have time, Larry? Can I do two more? Can I just share two more things? Do I have um, that morning? Hey, Laurel. Um, the first, per- first place we went to was this little hut in this village, and, and we, were, we always hooked up in teams of two. So it would be myself, and we'd try and male, female, and then a translator. And we went to this village, and we went to this little corner of this village, and we went down this little path, and there was a couple women standing in front of a home, and I, you know, that's a relative term. And, um, and the, we got talking to the first lady, and, and she you know, what, what can we help you with? We prayed. We gave them some rice. They had no food. It's very subsistence living there. I mean, they literally get up every day and try and figure out how they're going to eat that day. It's basically rice and coconuts. And, um, I mean, I had a guy one time just bless me. He just climbed up a tree and cut me a coconut because he saw I was thirsty. Cut the thing open, and, God, that thing tasted fantastic. But anyway, um, this lady said, you know, I asked what I was going to pray for, and she said, well, I really can't see. I mean, I can kind of see you, but so I pulled out a thing that, uh, with printing on it, writing on it, and she couldn't see it, even that some of it had really big writing. And I remember thinking, and this was just not like any ego, or it just had nothing to do with me, but I remember I was in such a place of God's love. I just remember thinking to myself, wow, lady, this is really interesting because I know for sure that you're going to see perfectly in like 30 seconds. And, and sure enough, prayed for her, and 30 seconds later, she was reading like 12-point font. But it gets better, or it gets more interesting, because then her like 14-year-old daughter, she kind of drags her daughter forward. There's like four or five women there, and they had like a little porch or deck, which I, that, was, that was interesting. You didn't see that there. And her daughter comes forward, and they, the translator explains that um, she was born deaf and mute. And she's this beautiful thing. God, they're just they're beautiful people. And so I'm like, okay. 
Lord, I'm just going to love on this girl. And I put my hands on her ears and I prayed and her hearing came. Just like that. It just like popped. And of course, she's now hearing and she's never heard before. So she's a little startled and she's joyful, but she's kind of scared. And then, and then there's moms, well, pray, let her speak, let her speak. So me and Sue, my teammate, just commanded uh, her speech to come. And she started to make sounds. But she didn't know how to talk. She didn't know words. But she's like making these sounds. And then she kind of scares herself and she kind of hides behind her mom. And her mom's crying and everyone's happy. And we prayed. And everyone else she prayed for there um, got healed too. I mean, it was just, it just all day long, all day long, I think without exception, we just saw God's love and, and glory. So anyway... Um, you know, I, the Lord sent me there for a specific reason, and um, and that was to to come to a revelation of of His love. You know what He's done for us through us in Christ, and 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 how that can manifest in a number of ways. And I just one more minute, Larry. Uh, Larry, ninety seconds. Ninety seconds. One of the requests I had of the Lord when I did this trip as Lord, I want to see it when I come back. I, I, there's two parts to what's in my heart. It's, it's when I come back. And I want to tell you, I came back, I ministered um, three days after I got back at a, at a Christian uh, ministry counseling. I ministered to their staff, and I uh, prayed for a woman who was almost legally blind and mostly deaf, and the Lord healed her. And then last night I went out on the streets because I was just like, Lord, I, gotta, I, I need to go out and... I, I can't stop doing this. I've got to do this. And by the way, just another real quick thing. When I was driving downtown, I told the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I know this is going to sound really selfish, but I, I'm doing this for me. I need this. I need this. So just you know, take me to people who I, who I can love on with your love. But God, truly, I need this. This is for me. And I feel bad that I'm being so selfish about this. And you know what the Lord said to me? And this, if your theology doesn't work for this, then... Then, and maybe I miss God, but I swear I heard the Lord say, no, it's okay, Paul, I needed it too. And so anyway, I went down and got to pray for some people last night. Um, and just including Ricky, just want to lift up Ricky, guy just got out of prison. Great, I know it sounds weird, just got out of prison, great guy. But actually, he's a great guy, sweet guy. Um, been out of prison four days, uh, he's on the streets. Lord healed his leg, his leg was super messed up. Love down the guy. And, and, um, so anyway, the bottom line is, you know, um, man, when we die to self and live for Christ, um, even if he sends us halfway around the world, um, you know it's going to be worth it. So thanks, brother. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm going to get this out here so we can be ready if we need it. Um, <clears throat> last week I failed to... Uh, Call up anybody that wanted to or somebody that wanted to declare the gospel. Anybody uh, ready to do that today? Not that we didn't just hear it. <laughs> All right. We're going to let Paul's story stand. <clears throat> if, we'll, if we'll get rid. The, the, you know, the gospel is about laying down your privilege. That's what Jesus did. And taking ours up. Yeah. Yeah, please. I, Basically, what the gospel has become for me is just believing in him, mm -hmm. in his love. And, and i got to express this in the way that I know that the Holy Spirit has been moving. Larry and I were involved with a meeting. I was involved with a marriage meeting yesterday. And just from different input that I'm getting, everybody says, you know, we don't need to go to the Father and beg mm. and ask for our prayers to please answer our prayers our prayers are answered. We have to go in there with the faith that it's already been achieved. Yeah. And what we're hopefully going to get more and more into is decrees and declarations. We're going to decree it. We're going to declare it so in Jesus' name. I mean, that's, you know, God tested Paul's faith, and, and, he, and he passed <laughs> with flying colors. He was obedient you know, to what the Father called him to do, and he produced. And I think some of us sometimes we're just in that, you know, maybe it's our background, our religious background, whatever it is, but we're going, oh, please, Father, do this for me. Yeah. Please, Father, forget that. 
decree and declare it that it's done in Jesus' name and walk it out. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Yes, sir. There's a mic right there. I was listening to uh, Sid Roth the other day, and they had uh, some people on the, uh, his show. And he said, and it was John and Janet, their name was. Okay. And they were speaking that we're not supposed to get the glory for anything. We're supposed to give God all the glory. That's how the Lord uses us in healing. Because when we start taking the glory for ourselves, we're taking it away from Him. And uh, that's what the Lord showed me, that a person that does that, like sometimes we get into self-glorification, and mm-hmm. I do every once in a while. Sure. And then the Lord to, showed yeah. me how to get out of that thing. So that's how we do it. That's how the healing comes, is when we just say, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. And... We depend on Him, not ourselves. Amen. Amen. It says, forget about yourself and concentrate on Him and worship. Amen. Sounds good. All right, Rick. Cool. Well, uh, see, what else? Um, for the sake of those of you that are watching in on Facebook or something, if you want to be notified about what's going on, text the word Joyland to the number 31996, and you'll get a little thing back, and we'll be going that way. Also, uh, I want to pray for you guys concerning finance. We're going to move forward and try to... Uh, get a little bit more coherent giving policy and encouragement going on here. So thank you guys for what you're doing. Uh, you know, you're giving, you're giving faithfully. Um, just tap into that part of what's there, and I'm going to pray for you for a second. Father, I, I do ask that every need that is represented that touches the realm of the finance in this room, whether it be selling houses or condos, whether it be jobs, whether it be uh, a need for more money, or whether we find ourselves in a position to be used by you in a greater way in giving, that we have the wisdom and the leadership and and the ear to hear on how to do that. I just pray that blessing would go for finances through and to all the people that are here in this room and the ones that are watching us. Uh, Jim, you still got the petition with you? Okay, so we're going to continue on that petition about the uh, Electoral College. Anybody that didn't get to sign that last week and would be interested to, Jim's got it here. Um, Is there anything else that I'm missing? Easter's coming up in a couple weeks. That caught me by surprise yesterday. Oh, the unplanned movie? Yeah, we went and saw that the other night. Thanks to uh, Jen got us some tickets, and, and thank you, Andrew uh, and Jamie, for sponsoring that. It was, it was a really, really encouraging movie. It was really well done. Uh, about gal Abby Johnson, who was a director of a learning center down in uh, uh, East Coast of Texas. What's it called? Oh, Planned Parenthood Center, I'm sorry. And yeah, that's different. Uh, Planned Parenthood Center. She was there, uh, that for eight years and then just had an amazing re- revelation. Well, she was, uh, for the first time in eight years, actually asked to participate in an abortion ceremony. She saw the, the little life that they were taking, and it turned everything around. So it's a really good movie. If you get a chance to see it or encourage your friends to see it, I think you, you would enjoy it. Enjoy is a funny word. You would be touched by it. Yeah, you'd be enlightened and encouraged by it. Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, let us dig into this. I mean, my thumb's going to be sore by the time we're over. So here's what, here's what I uh, uh, am excited about where we're going. Because uh, I was with the Lord for a bunch this week on a variety of things. Uh, Tim mentioned we were together, had an ascension, and we're praying. And uh, I knew Paul was coming back, and I'd heard some of the stories. There's even a couple more that are precious as well. That I'm sure a bunch more, but at least a couple that he shared with me that I want to hear as we get going. And so as I was going after what the Lord wanted to do next, first of all, uh, it was also on the heels of what Diane Hellman brought. How many of you enjoyed Diane? Yeah. That was incredible. There's still a couple copies of her book over there. Be sure and pick it up. I think they're on the front. Um, I, I was so thrilled with Diane. If you, ha- if you haven't had a chance to see her, just check out the Facebook. That's the best one to get to right now. It's what? Yeah, I know. We're working on some things. We're going to be better about getting links out and everything. This week, actually, we've made some changes. But I, I just felt like among all that, that Diane shared, she showed us an example of somebody who'd found their voice, the thing we're pursuing. And she's just living, being a, a daughter because she was a son. And 
she's honest and happy and self-disclosing to herself, incredibly so to us, but that all starts because between her and the Lord and, and, and stuff had happened. So I really encourage you to listen to that. So anyhow, I was sitting there thinking, I felt like I had a vacation from teaching for a while, so I was praying and all this kind of stuff. I believe that what the Lord wants is for us to take advantage of the things we've learned since we moved down here and start finding out how this thing of union and how all these realities of God's goodness actually work out in our life. And I'm not making a suggestion that they're not already working out, but I'm saying I think that's what God wants us to look at. So I have prepared a lightning review of the points that we have gone through since we moved down here. And then there's a question at the end, and then I need your help because I want you to help me for us prioritize how we're going to look at applying these things, okay? So the first one here is we trust his presence in our heart. You guys remember the whole story about the heart? Jeremiah says your heart's desperately wicked, but that wicked part was added. What he meant was it was desperate, it was weak, it was, it was capable of being a stumbling block to us because, uh, remember that hill metaphor in the, uh, or the hill picture in the, Greek, or the Hebrew word? But the reality, the reality that we live in right now is that our heart is the place where Christ dwells in by the work of the Holy Spirit and faith. And so it's a lie of the devil to not be able to trust it. I declare to you, in Jesus' name, in spite of the fact that your heart can still harbor darkness, along with light, you can trust the voice that comes out of it, if you humble yourself, because it's the voice of Jesus. Okay? So, how dare we not trust that voice? Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. It's not the capacity of our heart to catch up on all the other stuff. It's the integrity of the resident that's in our heart. So, we go from people who are afraid of our hearts, we have gone from people who are afraid of our hearts to people who in faith, intentionally, with our eyes open, can trust the voices of our heart, can trust our heart. Your heart and my heart mostly desire the same thing. If you went to the movie Unplanned and you were moved by that, your heart agrees with God. If you were listening to this song today and you were moved by that, your heart agrees with God. Okay? So, we're going to get started here. I think. There it is. We're going to get started here with our heart as our first reference point. Here's the second one. We trust Papa's love regarding his wrath. That was our second point. I think that might have been before you guys got here. You probably heard me mention it about it, but essentially here's what it is. God's wrath is his defense of our future and destiny with him. Or you could put it this way, Janet. His wrath is his defense of his plans for us. Because his plans for us are good, and our plans for us might not be. We still have the capacity. We still have the capacity to want to compromise with darkness. So God's wrath is his defense of our future and destiny with him, flowing from love against my and all men's willingness to compromise with darkness and reject glory. And we think that rejecting glory, and this isn't contradicting what you said, Ray, because we're not trying to steal glory from God. But we have a negative attitude towards glory sometimes, or we would be willing to trade glory for the mundane things of life that bring us pleasure or take the pressure off of us. And Romans says that for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, not just the ungodliness of the bad guys, all ungodliness and unrighteousness, of, in particular of men who seek to suppress, and this word means hold or hold down the truth and unrighteousness. And so what I, what I want to remind us of is that we can trust God's wrath because his wrath is released against any effort that anybody wants to make to try to hold on to righteousness in unrighteousness. It doesn't work. The only system that that works in is religion. In every other area of life, it doesn't work. So, Ronnie coined the phrase, and we are all lovingly adopting it. <laughs> and with you... <laughs> It's a little different, okay, but it's time to apply it more than just a thing. Key truth number, uh, number two is that as we welcome and respond to God's resistance to our compromise, we are actively being kept for the glory of eternity. Paul says this, you know, he says that uh, as we behold the Lord, we are being changed from glory to glory. From glory to glory. That's how people get changed. One of the beautiful, probably the most beautiful thing about the movie, Unplanned, is that this gal, who had a relatively sincere heart but was caught up in this whole lie culture, when she was able finally to see what she was involved in, 
her repentance was so thorough, and it started with, how could God possibly forgive me? Well, partly it's this. Partly because his wrath was leaning against her delusion and finally broke it. It's really, really beautiful. First John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you understand the issue is not sin management? It never has been. The issue is transformation into righteousness. It's the, the issue is transformation from glory to glory. And then at the end of this section, we talked about the book of Revelation where it says that nothing unrighteous can enter its gates. In there is glory. God can't dumb heaven down to fit for you and me if we want to try to compromise. So his wrath is going to be against us, but it's not the negative. It's a loving gesture. So that brings up wrath. What is up with that heart? Somehow it got attached to some sort of thing. Sorry about that. Huh? Lots of love for that heart. All right. We trust time as our ally and not our enemy. That was our third point. Now, this, this seems less dramatic than wrath and probably less personal than our hearts, but what are the implications of this? Well, one, time was made through Jesus, Father, Son, and our Savior specifically. That's what it says in Hebrews, I think, uh, chapter 12, 1 and 2. Time shares, as a result of that, the mission and motives of Jesus in addition to the nature of God the Father. The nature of God the Father is love, spirit, uh, fire, and... Love, spirit, fire. What's the fourth one? I don't know. So, uh, love, spirit, fire. Never mind. Anyhow, God's good. God's love. God's spirit. God's a consuming fire. And he's our father. So, most of us spend too much of our time thinking we're running out of time. Or that we're short of time. Or that time is an enemy against us. And the Lord spoke to us specifically that that's not the case. So from God we can expect time. Oh, there it is. Love, light. Light, yeah. In him is light. And there's no darkness at all. That's what time's coming. So we're, we, we, in our heads, thought about time coming this way. What do we do now with it practically? Through Jesus we expect it to be associated with inclusion, forgiveness, redemption, and everything he came to do. So time gives us time to repent. Time gives us a chance. Every day of that eight years of Abby Johnson's life that she was in Planned Parenthood, time was working for her to give her an opportunity to see what she was involved in and repent every single day. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter how much time we have left. And as eternal creatures, that's kind of a, a moot point. Anyway, it's on our side. What are we going to do with it? <clears throat> All right. So there's time. And then here comes the heart somewhere. Come on, baby. Catch up. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one is that we trust that all God is, we see in Jesus. All that God is, we see in Jesus. Big time point. There's not a, a God of the Old Testament hiding behind Jesus, waiting to be revealed. There's not a God who's really angry with us that was appeased by Jesus' sacrifice, that once that grace period moves out of the way, he's going to reveal his true colors. Remember, we talked about it. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. What is Jesus? What does he reveal about God? He's the cosmos, gentle, humble, and only source of knowing God. Uh, I think that was reflecting that passage that said, um, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom he reveals it. He's our access to knowing both who God is and what he does. He's the revealer of God's works, uh, the Father's works. You remember Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. These, words are not, these works are not my own. These words are not my own. They're the Father working in me. He is the transparent revelation of the Father's heart toward you. God feels about you the way Jesus said he did and the way he demonstrated he did. So as an illustration of that one, <clears throat> we know that God's against adultery. But the story of the woman caught in adultery reveals how the Father feels about adulterers. And it's important for us to note that. Okay, The last one, he's the giver uh, to all, the only giver of the knowing of God the Father and of having and experiencing eternal life, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, to know God and to know Jesus whom he sent. So the God that you and I serve and have and love and the God that has plans for us and the God that has purpose for us and the God that judges us and the God that leans against us in his wrath and the God that delivers us with, uh, with his strong right hand is the God that we see in Jesus. Okay?
and the heart's coming again. Must be a metaphor in this. So there's Jesus. All right. We need to see God and we need to see us. And we, so we trust that we are actually complete, filled up in Jesus. Now, I think we have some work to do on this personally because I think this is such a foreign concept. But this is the truth in Scripture. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Everybody agrees with that, right? And in him you have been made complete. The word there is pleroma, of what fills the word down here is to cram full like a net or to fill up a hole in the ground. So this is what we know. Is this what we believe? And is it what we do? That's the question. That's where we're going to go. Make sense? Okay. Uh, we trust that, there are actually, that we are actually completely filled up in Jesus. And remember, this was our prayer. Father, may the truth of my life continue to become the way of my life. Anybody want to pray that real quick? It's short. Father, may the truth of my life become the way of my life. If you are completely full of Jesus, what might that look like? If you are completely filled in Jesus, where might that lead you and what might that look like? I'm the way, the truth, and life, Jesus said. So there he is and we're in him and our heart follows. All right, we, are active, we actively use our access to heavenly realms in union with Jesus. So in a break between those first five things, we talked about ascensions, and we've started doing that some. We've been encountering all different kinds of issues. We have a couple of them a week here. Tim and Meg are running one. Um, just, there's just stuff going on. We realize we've all been there and done that in different ways. Does access to the heavenly realm come as part of our uh, union with Jesus? Is our access a natural part of our union? Yes. Is it limited only to our future and even our afterlife? No. Is it limited only to the apostles and prophets and uniquely anointed people like Nancy Cohen? <laughs> no. Could or should it be the natural part of our intimacy with Jesus? Absolutely. Here's some scriptures. Uh, John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go and make a place for you and come for you so that you can be where I am. Be where I am. We could push it off to the future if we want. We can make it just an act of salvation after we die if you want. But we don't have to do that, and I don't think we should do that. The next one's Ephesians 2, uh, 4 through 7. He raised us up and seated with him in heavenly places. Yes, sir, Richard. Uh, what does completely filled mean? Complete. Uh, well, it says complete, and, and complete means filled up. If the word means what it says, it means that everything that God designs for us to be all the promises that, that he's made and everything else are yes and amen in Christ and we're in Christ and we're before him. And so that all that we need to be, every resource, all the powers that we were subject to have been broken, all the demonic forces that we have enslaved ourselves to or that we're enslaved to have been broken, it means something big like that. What do you think? Well, sometimes I feel like I'm filled. I know. And then other times I feel like I'm depleted. And then with that uh, explanation, I'm thinking, well, is it possible to even be filled in this life? Because there's always something more that I, that's, I find that's blocking me between that realness of God. Mm -hmm. um, every experience that I experience breaks that down but then it just seems like there's another experience that I need to have or revelation yeah, yeah. that I need to have to... You know what I would say? I would say that, that if we take what Jesus said when, they came, when he said, uh, all you who are thirsty, um, come to me and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then John commented on that, and he said, this he spake of the Holy Spirit, who was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So I think the idea of being filled, being complete probably has a stature associated with it, you know, as God sees us. And because keep in mind that that passage, the, the previous one, where is it? Okay. In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. If we go back to chapter one, it said it pleased the father to fill Jesus with his whole deity. So this is from the perspective of the Father. So I think completeness is the Father sees us as complete. Uh, 
And I think filling is the job of the Holy Spirit. And it's, 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 a, it's a thirst, drink, flow. Thirst, drink, flow. So to me, that explains why sometimes we feel filled and sometimes we don't. Or sometimes we face a new challenge and we don't. Like, Paul's been in healing ministry for his whole uh, Christian life. He's had healing rooms here and there and everywhere, Durango, Minneapolis, or whatever. And yet still he's facing a new challenge standing there in a dirt floor church, right? And, and you had to be, you had to empty yourself and be full again. So that's kind of why I think there's a dynamic to it. Does that make sense? Could it also be like a seed? The seed within itself has the potential to be a mature, whatever, representative of a whatever that seed yeah, is. Yeah, sure. But it could be like a seed. Yeah, in the sense, I mean, a seed's complete, except it's not grown. Right. So, yeah, it could be that way for sure. Um, okay, so it's like the same thing here, okay? So raised up and seed with him in heavenly places. Are we or are we not? We are. We are. We are. You can push it off future, but Paul doesn't push it off future. So somehow we need to believe that. Hebrews 12.1, this is that passage at the end of, uh, toward the end of Hebrews where it says, you haven't come you know, to a mountain that's, that's smoking with fire and all this kind of, but you've come to the new Jerusalem. The point is, is that we have come. So we're, we're back in this ascension idea. We have access to these things. We can come to Jesus. I mean, maybe we need to think ascension terms a little bit too, heavenly terms, encounter terms. Uh, when we think about all you are thirsty, come. Or when Jesus says in that previous verse, being the only one that can teach us about God, he says... Um, uh, no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son reveals Him. The very next line, He says, "So all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come." Big qualification, right? So I think, Richard, our thirst, our weariness, our hunger—these things are a part in a complete being of the interface, the interaction. I think that's why love relationships still have a dynamic in them as they go on over time. Somehow, I don't know. I'm, I'm over my pay grade a little on that one, but. I think, I think these are part of the things we can actually walk out. Because knowing about fullness, knowing about completeness, is not the same thing as experiencing completeness. And one of the big problems we have in the church is we think that the knowledge of something is the acquisition of it. And it isn't. The knowledge of it is neither the acquisition of it, nor the practice of it, nor the impact of it. The knowledge of it is the knowledge of it. It's a good thing. Uh, you know, but we need to step into the doing, which is kind of what I think we're doing here. Are going to be. So now we have our ascension symbol down there and our hearts following along again. I know what happened, <laughs> but it's a technical thing in PowerPoint. It would bore you silly if I told you. The last point is we learn from the Bible, we respond to its invitation, but we worship the Word of God, Jesus. And if, you, uh, uh, if you've been here a little while, you'll know what that means. I'm encouraging everybody to uh, let the Bible be the Bible, be the beautiful, inspired Word of God. But let's reserve the place in our heart for the logos of Jesus. And, uh, and, and we'll see. It, does thinking properly about the Bible, who, what, or where matter? Yes, it does. And then here's our amazing illustration. I know this will bring it all to mind for you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, just a quick review. <clears throat> so here's God, the Son, spiraling around in a dance with the Spirit, with the Father. Inside here are ideas, they are, uh, that's love, there's God's will, God's plans for us. That's where they come from. They come from the inside, in the head of God, in the, in the mind of God. And now, elements get that. Creation gets it because God spoke into it, and now creation has the ability to declare the, the glory of God, the invisible attributes and all that kind of stuff. Man gets it because God breathed into man, and he's an image bearer, and so man does reveal a lot of stuff about God, but you know, the fall causes us to complicate that issue. Down here, the Bible, the graphe, the grame, the sacred writings, they're all a part of it. But this big thing here, okay, this thing here, I pulled off the page. Remember using Laurel's Pilates ball desk chair? And I think you, you, you got a hold of it. You got to touch it, and so did, so did you, or Matt did. We're, yeah, somewhere. Anyway. Uh, that's the Logos of God. That is what Jesus did. It's the idea, the brain, the mind, the purpose, the heart, the will, the authority of God manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. John said it this way uh, in his epistle. He says, the one that we have touched, the one that we have handled, 
That's the logos. Okay? So, we study the Bible. We love the Bible. We lean on it for revelation. We accept it as the invitation it is to understand and step into the relationship with God through Jesus that exposes his heart and mind to us, the logos of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Okay, so we learn from the Bible, we respond to the invitation, we worship the Word of God. <laughs> That's something funny about that. All right, then last week uh, we had Diane deposit into us what was in her. Uh, sonship and intimacy. Be honest before your father. You can trust him. Learn and know that he's good. Be or become you. I thought this was one of the fun ones. Uh, you know, when she said, uh, uh, we're too much alike. We're too much alike. One of the reasons the church thrives on conformity or sort of thrives on it is because it's easier to agree in ideas so that I know that you and I are on the same page in the way we think. I really don't care as much. I've come to not care as much as a pastor that we're thinking the same. I want you thinking like you're supposed to think. I want you knowing who you are in Jesus. I want you understanding God is your Father. Not to separate you from me, because that binds us together. That creates a unity in us that just agreement on ideas is never going to happen. And then it'll also give us a chance to, to celebrate one another when we have another idea, a different idea. You know? So... God knows you, and he made you a certain way, and he has certain plans for you. And, and one of the things that I really enjoyed from Diane was that she shared with us that it's okay to be you. Matter of fact, it's almost mandatory. Uh, embrace your security. I thought this was such an amazing thing. I'm so sick of insecurity, uh, stealing people's glory and destiny. She said insecurity is such a sin against your design. That was incredible, wasn't it? Don't be insecure. It's okay to be stupid. Don't be insecure about it. <laughs> yeah, if you have to make a choice, go ahead and embrace, embrace ignorance, okay? We're all ignorant some. Don't be insecure. That's the whole point. You're loved by your Father. He took measures in Jesus so that you're okay with Him. Okay? So don't be insecure, and then fight for the value of relationships with each other. That's something I think we can put into practice in better ways than we know how. So fight for, fight for the value. So anyway, so now Diane's on there, and the heart's back. See, the heart, Diane brought the heart up at the same time as everybody else. Thank you, Jesus. That problem's not anything to worry about now. Okay, so we got the heart. We got wrath. We got time. We got our understanding of ascension. We have Jesus being the one that reveals God, Jesus filling us and being revealing our identity as well. And that's the other thing, Richard. There's a part of our identity that, that is revealed only in him. And that part is complete as well. How it plays out, how it grows up, you know, we'll go that way. So here's the logos down here. And uh, keeping the Bible in the right place and, and re receiving Jesus to understand the mind of God. And then there's uh, a recollection of Diane's thing. Yes, Dennis. I think we need a tall microphone just and a pull short it up. microphone just, and on each place. Just twist it. You no, I'm kidding. I'm just no, kidding. no, 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 you do. It'd be nice. Anyway, one of the things that always helps me uh, as far as talking about fullness and completeness and where we are and where we feel like we are most of yeah, the time, yeah. which is usually less than, and we shouldn't because he's more than and he's in us, mm -hmm. is I like the statement that I am ever becoming who I am, yeah, that's good. and I will always ever be coming who I am. Yeah, that's good. Always, that's good. We got to keep that in mind. Got to keep that in mind because um, there is a, a glory to glory. There's a process going on. Uh, glory to glory. I do think it really. I, I, I don't can't prove this, but it makes a lot of sense to me. I think it really has a lot to do with we are how God sees us, and He sees us complete in Christ, and so. As we discover ourselves truly, not in some kind of uh, fluffy snowflake way, as we genuinely discover ourselves, we discover what God already knows about us. And that's why it's a step, a step, a step. Make sense? Okay. All right. So in union with God and with all this stuff going for us, what's next? 
going to heaven. Hallelujah. Let's just all drink the Kool-Aid and get her done. No, let's not do that. <laughs> let's see what life holds, maybe, okay? So let us live in union as sons of a good, good father. Let's apply all this to our life and our walk and our faith. Uh, Ronnie and I were talking about uh, Christian disciplines. I do think there's some of that in there. Here's the, the, the verse that I feel like God's prompting. And I loved it that it was out of that meaty part of Colossians where we talked about just earlier that the fullness of God is in Christ and we're complete in him. Just before that, it says, Therefore, you have re- as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. I think that's where we find ourselves. I think this scripture is a representation of what God's ready to do for us and wants us to be ready to do with him at this, in this church. And those of us that are on Zoom, you guys are not excluded. Same situation. I think it's time for us. In, in any other circumstance, in any other church, in any other church in my past, this would have been where we're trying to get into the doing and it would have turned into a works-related thing and it would have been me telling you a whole bunch of ideas. I have some ideas. Most of them are about me. And I want to know what your ideas are about you because God, I mean, again, I so appreciate that Diane had the boldness to stand here and say, you are unique in the Lord, in the mind of the Lord. And there's a great humility in that too. Think about this. If we weren't unique in how we represented him, we would have to say that this completeness, Richard, means we represent all of him. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at the highest level of gifting. It doesn't mean that with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are all people. There's another verse I should have had up here in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, so that the body can build itself up in love by what every joint supplies. All that's required in that is the humility and the obedience to join with somebody else, to create a joint so that the strength of both can begin to flex and produce work, produce power. So we are talking about work. We're talking about going to work in the revelation and in the empowerment and in the life of what we've been studying for the past five months or four months or three months or however many months it's been. Okay? So... Let's see if my ink is working. It is. So, there are the mics. Here's this one. You can keep it and pass it on. What are some things that, that we need to dig into? Things about our Christian disciplines, things about our lives, things about the plans that God has for us, Things about the way we choose to live, the things we're afraid of living. What about fear itself? What? What? Okay. So, and Zoom, you guys uh, unmute and speak up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just push that up. No. Hello. There okay. it is. So, did you just say that we are complete in? our own unique identity, basically uh, how the Lord created us well, I, and how he sees us in his, in his eyes. I think we're complete, and I think God sees us as complete. And I think we have a unique manifestation of Jesus to render as part of the body. I, I don't know if I said what you said. If I did, okay. I, I think I'll take that. Okay, okay, that's good, that's good. So, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just, I'm trying to be careful with my words because I, I, I agree with like what Richard was saying. Sometimes you, you get it and sometimes you don't. I think that's what we're going to study. I do believe this, though. I think there's a way for us to think and walk. There is a way for us to think about ourselves and our neighbors, other people, and each other that's going to reveal the, the reality of that greater than the way we've tried to do it just as head knowledge and then apply faith to it. Even with all of my weaknesses and insecurities, I'm still complete. Oh, I believe so. I, yes. I would say so. I, that I believe, absolutely. I would say uh-huh. amen to that for sure. Uh-huh. Unique. Yeah. Okay, Ronnie. God shows us that his mercies are new every morning. So I think one of the ways I can try to do this is call upon that mercy to focus on the me 
coming into the we of God. Okay. So me to we. That's okay. a Tommy phrase. Yeah, it? it is. Uh, so because me, if me turning into the we, meaning I'm doing things, I'm doing life with God, or God's doing life with me. Into we. And that would, I think, come across in our actions. Yeah. Probably our words, too. But yeah. Definitely and there's a actions. newness, and, and, and the newness of this every day. Every day. And Larry, one of the things I was, uh, as you were speaking and as you talked about Diane last week, I think that, you know, I appreciate the uniqueness in Meg and everybody that I know in this room. Now, there's some people I don't know that well, but I still can appreciate the fact that everybody has unique quality to their personality. And it's something that we've all grown to appreciate about that person. Mm-hmm. So if we can appreciate the uniqueness and the people that we go to church with, our neighbors, our relatives, certainly we would know that the Father could, as being his creation, that he would appreciate our uniqueness. And we just got to let it shine, as they say. Learn to uh, appreciate. Okay, Richard. Uh, what we've learned, or what we're learning, what we've learned, and how does that look like in real life, everyday walk with Jesus? In be as specific here, as you can. Pardon me. Be, be a little more specific. I once, um, as an example, I once used to pray by pleading, <laughs> by by saying, "Jesus, you got to come. You got to help us. You got to do this. You got to do that." Until I read a book about uh, how to about some uh, about prayer, and I found out that I was praying wrong. Mm-hmm. In fact, I felt so wrong about it. I didn't know how to pray anymore until I found a voice in that again. Right. So what I'm saying is, is how what we've learned today. How does that express in our daily in the, living in the, in the when things. we're out on the public, when exactly. we're at home, when we're he- here? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, okay, very, very good. And this is what I'm looking for examples. So, so let's just stop for a second and take a, a tiny example of this. Um, let's say we, we pull some stuff from what we learned about Diane, that we might have a burden that somebody else doesn't have because we're a unique person. And that we can begin to go to God in prayer and not necessarily be right about what we're looking at because he loves us and he's going to teach us. Or that time is on our side if we're, if we're praying. If we're not praying, it's still giving us an opportunity to, to, to grow. But, you know, it's, it's processed that way. The people are complete in Jesus, including us, so the people we're praying for. How about if we learn to appeal somehow to their completeness? What if our prayers are not about their need, but our prayers are more about their completeness manifesting? It's just a possibility. I'm, but this is an example why prayer is such a good one. I pray... But I don't think I pray well. And I don't think I pray like a son necessarily. I don't think I pray from the, the, the capacity of Christ living in my heart. I don't think I pray regarding wrath. I mean, I would never have thought about the, praying that the wrath of God be revealed against somebody I love. Because I would, I would have done it with judgment. But now I don't have to do it with judgment. I say, Lord, you are irrevocably committed to that person. Could it be the concept that we're complete, but there's hiddenness in that? It's hidden. It so, be. for example, we could be praying for someone that the completeness that's hidden in them be revealed. Yeah, yeah, that would be a way. The hidden man come out. I mean, the, uh, Paul talks about that. Okay. One right. of the individual one, things. Yes. Yeah, one of the things that I've... Um, I used to feel like when I was in a conversation with somebody... I had to figure out how to get maneuver Jesus into the conversation. Uh, Burning Man has changed that totally with me to where I, I don't. I feel free to be able to say, think, and not say anything if if I don't feel led to. But also the freedom to speak into people's lives without having attaching a God thing to it. Uh, 
which has been a big change for me. Yeah. Do you mind if I call that witness, that we relearn how to witness in yeah. light of all this stuff? Yeah. Bearing witness, I, I just, I think it's an important thing. Any other topics individually? Something we want to learn in light of the new things. Well, the yes, Lord sir. has been revealing to me about staying in the spirit, and that's your prayer language. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's not go to what it is. Let's just okay. put it up there. Uh, life. How about living? L i v i n g. Living in the spirit. In the spirit. Right. Walking in the spirit too. Uh huh. Right. Okay. Walking in the spirit. Does anybody in this room? Oops. Walking. In. Does anybody feel like, knowing that you're complete in Jesus, knowing that God is doling time out with a redemptive and instructive message, knowing that we have access to heaven in ways we didn't think we did, and knowing that we actually have access to the very mind of God, the Bible says that, Paul says it clearly, you have the mind of Christ, but that we really do, that there's not stuff to add to us living in the Spirit in the way we've normally thought about it? You can go and get an old book on, on how to walk in the Spirit and how to live in the Spirit, and it'll tell you a bunch of things to do. I think we ought to learn how to live this and see what doing comes out of it. And I think that we're on the verge of that. We're on the cusp of it. Any more? Yes. Yes, sir. Approaching people like God's in them already and finding what God's working on in them. Hmm. It is a little bit, but what about this? Just... Uh, how to see others, people, people. How to see people. Yes, sir, Tim. Hello. Yeah, I got it. Um, how about the responsibility? My new favorite scripture: "I am in my Father; you are in me, and I am in you." What is our responsibility as a Christian, as a believer, to live out that scripture? Uh, how would responsibility? I'm loath to write responsibility on the board. Well, I know it's a harsh word. It's kind of like works. But, yeah, no, but no. What I'm talking about is how do we live that scripture how, out? All right, there we go. Yeah. I think how to see people and 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 living and walking in the spirit is is a little bit like that. Let's go ahead and and and, and put this up here. We'll mull over it. Uh, the idea of like when you say let's come to Jesus, immediately my thought is come to him he's already in me i'm in him is it just our expression to him when we come to him in prayer or i don't know well, i'm, I'm try trying this. to put those two together because it's pretty strong in that scripture that he it lives is. in us and we live in him Remember ability to respond instead of responsibility. yes that's a better way to put it okay how about this tim would that would that would that be a point how to respond to and live from our union. Okay. All right. Yes, Paul. I think mine might be just a takeoff then on what you just uh, put up, how to respond to and live from our union. I would only add that I think our study um, as of late has shown us that there's still a, a big distinction between the way God truly sees us and the way we think he sees us. Yeah. And the process of recognizing we are complete in him, um, it, it brings us to this idea of really discovering who we are rather than trying to obtain something that will be more favorable in the eyes of God. Um, so for me, I, I really want to get away from the whole dualistic, you know, uh -huh. continue to work to get free of dualism, transactional uh -huh. Christianity, and, and come to a place where I... I am authentically and in a revelatory way um, seeing myself as God sees me. You have to get <laughs> I took it away. Okay. Time for away. a couple more. <clears throat> okay. So I, I have two. Okay. Faith. Okay. And kind of the same way that uh, Eric Reeder talked about hope and what, how we use the word hope versus what hope actually is. 
Yeah. Faith would be really beneficial because most people go, oh, you're a person of faith. Uh, I wouldn't say that because I don't really understand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So how to talk to people, I know that sounds funny, but and, and trying to explain the sovereignty of God because that's still something that out in the rest of the world, even in the secular world, that comes at you like the sovereignty of God is, oh, well, their child died. That was just him being sovereign, which I don't think. So trying to figure out good terminology to really clarify those two things would be lovely. All right. Okay, uh, Tharney. Oh, God. I'm going to add one because nobody's mentioned it yet. Yeah. It's important to me and us because I'm not good at it. Giving. I want to learn how to give in light of these new truths and not give out of legalism or, or obligation or duty. Yes, Ray. Uh, what I wanted to mention is like uh, when you get in the spirit, that's how you get in touch with God. And the part where it says that if you don't know how to pray as we ought to, that's how we go in with our prayer language and get in the spirit. Sure. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get into details of all these that we're going. Anybody, uh, I'm looking at a camera here. Anybody on Zoom got anything to say? You want to chat? Riley, have you checked the chat box or anything? Okay. You guys got anything? Let us know if you do. Yes. Okay, I have one more. Okay. <clears throat> and you can yell at me later. <laughs> Is our physical death the last opportunity to come to Christ? How about If we... you want to put it that way. Okay, to believe... that's... That's still a, a, a knowledge thing. That's not how we live. No, I know. No, it's a thing we need. We, we can study about. So, how about if we? I don't know how to. How about that. if we embrace that as a part when we study? How do we witness? And also, as we embrace it. Right. What about this? Fear. Well, that's a good. How one. do we? How do we walk in a world where fear is a possibility? It's a big deal okay. because the scripture says, and the reason it links to what you're saying, mm -hmm. is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, who through the fear of death, people were kept bondage in their whole life. Right. Fear of death. So fear. Okay. okay. All right. This is plenty to work on now. Do you guys have any preferences? How many would, uh, who would vote for the, who would vote that something be first? How many people would like to see prayer be first? That's one of my yeah. first votes. How God sees us. Uh, well, how, how we see other people. Okay, who would like to have me tackle how we see other people first? One, two votes, three votes. Okay. Uh, okay, is anybody going to vote for prayer? I mean, they're all good. Are you going to leave me some discretion then? I got to do them all next week. No, no. Can, can I just throw something out? This idea of fear kind of encompasses a lot of things up there. You know, like um, oh, yeah. fear of witnessing, fear, fear of not responding to God the right way, things. fear yeah. of the way that, you know, um, when Paul was giving his testimony, the Lord said, hey, you're still in fear of man. Wow. Yeah. You know, so there are things in fear that I think if we can can conquer our mindset on that, okay, that we can actually go into these other things it's my and wife. and have my wife is making a request and <laughs> and I carry such darned authority, so y'all better just vote with me. No, not really. <laughs> One vote for fear, right here. But I just think it would help us in understanding the other things if we have a okay. a grasp on fear. I got it. Ah, okay. That was a Ronnie comment. All right. Okay, keep an eye on your text. I'll tell you what we're going to study next week. But do you agree that there is room for growth in the practical walking out of most of these things? I think these are great. These are great lists. This will keep us busy for at least two weeks before Easter. <laughs> and then 100 weeks beyond. So, uh, amen. Okay. What I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to keep these things in our mind and tie each of them into the influence that they have or should have over how we walk these things mm -hmm. out. Yes, Ronnie. Can I tell you how much better it is that we are working through this idea than you coming up with a series that we're going to 
just listen to, like the series of the Book of Esther. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. This yeah. is awesome because this this is interaction guided, but at the same time we can embrace this and be hungry for it. I hope so. I hope so. All right. All right. Well, I've I've uh, I'm afraid we've gone long. <laughs> Father, thank you for how you see us. Thank you that you chose to invest all of the Godhead in bodily form in Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are not put off by the, the capacity of our heart to hold both light and darkness, but you are enthused by the fact that our heart can be stretched by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus himself can live in it. Thank you, Father, that heaven is open to us and we have access to it in ways and with perspective that changes how we deal with things in life. It's going to change prayer. It's going to cause fear to flee. It's going to do a lot of things like that. We're going to see people differently because we're going to be able to see them from heaven down instead of from earth horizontally. Father, I, I thank you for as difficult as it is to let the words roll uh, joyfully off your lip. Lord, I thank you for your wrath, and I trust you in it. We trust you in it. We thank you that we are seen complete in Jesus by you and that we actually are complete in his work. He did say it was finished when it was done. I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for the, the, uh, the logos of God. I pray that we never dumb it down, Lord, in our minds, but we allow, when Paul says you have the mind of Christ, that we allow that to grow in us. And that when we make decisions or look at people or when we witness or we walk out, that we'll be able to know how to do it, pulling on that magnificent word that was with God and was God from the beginning. And Lord, I thank you for the, the blessing that Diane brought to us of a person who's been on this journey and seen some success and puts it on display with a big smile and a courageous and transparent heart. I ask that we become like that in our own way, in our own uniqueness, Lord. So we give ourselves to you to learn how to walk out life the way we have received Jesus. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I've got some work cut out for me, and you've got some work cut out for you. <laughs> we'll see what we can do about this. God bless you guys.